today's uh, my sort of uh, presentation mimamsa would also have a basis on my on yesterday's talk on philology but it's also independent in its own way so well, so people of listen to my talk yesterday probably will get more uh, connections to the thesis i'm attempting to provide today so I, i'm actually calling the paper the signs and nissigns of mimamsa so so what pollock is providing to us is avidya of mimamsa and what exactly mimamsa is is what i'll try to sort of present first we start with okay the same cartoon as yesterday so the western perspective of meme of mimams or interpretation hermeneutics this is already have conclusions when they read anything so that is hermeneutics in the western sense the mimams are they all based on facts so i'm just reusing a, an old cartoon in the context of mimams so now the approach in the paper is initially i do the interpretation of mimamsa by western scholars all that they have done i just sort of analyze that and then focus on the issues in western hermeneutics itself and whether hermeneutics can be applied to alien texts or alien bodies of knowledge which is not western because the method of hermeneutics is native to western texts so what i am saying is they have something called hermeneutics of truth and hermeneutics of suspicion so i'm saying what pollock is now doing is something very new which i call the hermeneutics of derision how to look at somebody else and say it is all the stuff that he is claiming mimamsa to be so i'm saying the western approach study mimamsa is called the hermeneutics of derision and then i'm also claiming that the whole ahistoricity thesis i, I examine it in the traditional sense and also try to attempt to refute it so the structure of the paper is i examine the notion of interpretation in a very generic sense what is the western notion of interpretation the western understanding of mimamsa is again driven by the western understanding of notion of interpretation and then sheldon pollock's hermeneutics of derision then the notion of history basically the history of history itself and the nature of itihasa and then finally i say what are the signs of mimamsa actually try to clear up the whole mess that pollock's interpretation is creating so we start with the western notions of interpretation so an act of interpretation is an essential condition of the human state so anything voluntary involuntary you are always interpreting in every state that you are you do need not know you are aware of it but you are always interpreting so interpretation at an individual level is conditioned by the social and shared meanings and also those interpretations collectively curated by a culture civilizational behaviors and social systems so this is interpretation so the most remarkable characteristic of interpretive praxis was this who is the author so this is how the western guys approach interpretation who what why how when where all these are the fundamental notions of approaching something called interpretation in the western sense all of this is this goes back to the classic uh, latin text so how what is hermeneutics in the first place so that is how they approach hermeneutics and then there is something called as a hermeneutic circle so it's a very prominent and recurring theme in all discussion of hermeneutics 
So I say if I read a line, what does it mean in the context of the larger text? And then in the context of the larger text, what does a line mean? So the whole understanding goes in circles. The foundational law of all understanding knowledge is to find the spirit of the whole through the individual and through the whole to grasp the individual. So one's understanding of a text as a whole is established by reference to the individual parts and one's understanding of each individual part by reference to the whole. So fundamentally they do not have a top down approach to understanding anything. They only have a bottom up approach. So given that perspective, Pollock has understood something because he is approaching everything from a bottom up perspective. So any western academic scholar will approach everything from a bottom up analytic perspective. Because this whole the journey in scholarship is we do, I do one, I go one circle up, I might be bad, then I come down again, next iteration I might know more, next I might know more. So the approach to understanding is circular and iterative. So probably after 100 iterations, he might be become a, a very good, uh, he might probably know to interpret our text in our own way. Probably in his third or fourth iteration. One way to look at Pollock's approach to our text and also of all of Western Indology. So we have, let's say, one example, we have a 7,000 year old history of understanding our text. They have 200 years, 250 years. They're probably in the second circle only. Probably it took us 50 circles to understand our text. That's one way of looking at it. One way of looking at Western Indology from a hermeneutic circle instrumentation. They're probably in the second or third circle, something like that we can say. Next is Western interpretation Mimamsa. Again, assuming, so they started with William Jones, who used to interpret Hindu laws. The requirement of Western hermeneutic approach discover a fixed subjective motive text, produce various hypotheses on the notion of Mimamsa and its role in Indian civilization practices. So, Pollock is not the first one. Attempts are made to freeze text and place the content in independent context. The context of practice and larger play of the continual exercise as a want of Indian tradition, as a Mimamsa is based for understanding all Shastra. So, Mimamsa is actually is a clarification text for, for all Shastra. It is not a Shastra. It is the text Shastra use after understanding everything. Only those people who know all the other Shastras can even know how to use Mimamsa. Right? So the fundamental divine and sacred approach to Mimamsa is willfully ignored. Fundamental base of Mimamsa is it's it's sacred. So Western characterization, I'll just summarize something of the last 250 years. Some, they call it non-godly, ungodly, atheistic, oppressive ritualistic, segregative, socially divisive, Pollock actually calls it genocidal, racial, ahistoric. So all of these are the western characterization of Mimamsa. They are their entire set of accusations. So now this is something which I have coined. This is the hermeneutics that he is practicing. New form hermeneutics, he calls them, I call it the hermeneutics of derision. So read, try to read something so that you can hate it. That's how he reads any Indian text. So he says he takes aim at Mimamsa as part of multiple theses that derive from his well-discussed methods of philology, three or four papers I refer to. These are the primary expositions on Mimamsa. The first thing he does is chronology manipulation. Purim Mimamsa dates, he moves it somewhere to a period after Buddha, right? And this is from Rajiv's <coughs> quote, so that he this is for, so that he can prove that Mimamsa was a reaction to Buddhistic thought and all that. And he theorizes the opposition between Buddhism and Hinduism. Mimamsa as being the wedge to differentiate and base the fanciful hypothesis. And then he builds an elaborate thesis on the existence of whatever it is, the asymmetrical relations of power. This is sort of the overview of his 
thesis. So it takes the authority of the Veda dependent on its timelessness and thus must empty the Veda of, the, of its historic referentiality. So whatever uh, Professor Tilak mentioned in the, in the first talk, so Vedicization, it, it adopts the Veda's putative uh, historicality. So by using Aparishetam as the basis, then he says his whole criticism on Itihasa history, all of that happens based on that. This is principal thesis. So now he starts off with the hermeneutic suspicion initially. He says when the Vedas are emptied, you can see it in his text, I am just quoting his text. Let's look at the quote. The prob Brahmanical intellectual practices seeking to legitimate their truth claims had perforce to confirm. So he is, he is suspecting something. So this is first hermeneutical suspicion. To this special model of what conscious knowledge and Soto suppress the evidence of their own historical existence, a suppression that took place in the case of Itihasa itself. So this is the first step, first level of his first circle, right. So this evolves into finally a full-blown hermeneutics of derision. What he says, history one might thus conclude is not simply absent from or unknown to Sanskritic India, rather it is denied in favor of a model of truth that accorded history no epistemological value or social significance. Finally, he uses his approach. To answer these, we would want to explore the complex ideological formation of traditional society that privileges system or process, the structure of the social order and over the creative role of, of man in history and that denying the historical transformation of the past, deny them for future and thus serve to naturalize the present. So all of this he says, finally he says, Mimamsa is the primary cause of all this asymmetric relation of power, so it evolves into hermeneutics of derision. So now how do we counter the history arguments? So I have this sort of small meme. So it's a history is a fiction we invent to persuade ourselves that events are noble and that life has order and direction. Okay, this is sort of the popular view of what history is. So what is it? So conceptualize, describe, contextualize, explain, and interpret events and some of the past. They sketch out ways of representing the complex activities and events of the past. They explain and interpret significant outcomes and they base their findings on evidence in the present that bears upon facts in the past. So this is key. They base their findings on evidence in the present that bears upon facts in, about the past. So, it is a lot of selective writing. So, what do I say? I say the continual discourse on history, it is a European creation, right? And then later on, an Anglo American exercise is very much closely tied to the colonial expansionist urges of Anglo Saxon collective consciousness, that is history. To justify their own expansionism, they have created this whole discipline of history. Is history of a universal human concern? First of all, is history universal? Do all races, civilizations want history? Only the white American or white Anglican wants history. Is history universal human concern or nature? This is still unanswered. There are still many competing views on this. So we go to the main history theoreticians, Vico and Herder. What does Vico say? Vico says, Vico is sort of an intellectual guru for Pollock, or rather Pollock says he is this intellectual guru. Offers Vico says there is an underlying uniformity in human nature. He assumes that. Vico assumes that and say, why does he do it? It simplifies the task of interpreting and explaining history. So I assume whatever I know is what everybody thinks. And then he goes on doing his interpretations. But then Herder says human nature itself is historical product and human beings act differently in different periods. So what you are doing today need not motives of somebody 50 years ago. That itself, that itself you are wrong. So, the moment you say something happened because of this itself, you are flawed. Then what does Hegel say, greatest so-called academic or 
historical theoret theoretical academic. He says history as an intelligible process moving towards specific condition. So he, he creates a linearity. He attempts to incorporate the civilization of India and China into his understanding of world history, though he regards the civilization as static and therefore prehistorical. So, so if you are not interested in your history, you are prehistorical. Now, what does prehistory mean? <coughs> yeah. So what, so what do I say? In the Western views of history, there is no harmony or universality of purpose. It is well known that there are no well-known laws of history in their own Western scientific sense. So history is fundamentally a totally non-scientific pursuit in their own definitions and terminology. So then this whole notion of objectivity. Okay. So is it possible for historical knowledge to objectively represent the past? Or are forms of bias, omission, selection and interpretation such as to make all historical representation dependent on the perspective of individual historian? Does the fact that human actions are value laden make it impossible for the historian to provide any non-value laden account of those actions? It is impossible to be objective. Moment is one person writing history. So the biggest argument against history is this amazing treatise by Popper. It is called the poverty of historicism. There is still no response in the West for the last nearly 50 years now. <coughs> he says he wrote it in 64, still no response from the West at all for this. So he's, the book is written in the memory of countless men and women of all creeds of nations who fell victim to the fascist and communist belief in, in the laws of historical destiny. So history is used only for genocide by the West. Historicism often requires remodeling of man. They are bad at imagining conditions under which an identifying trend ceases. So it's a bunch of, they confuse ends with aims. There's a huge number of accusations he has given. There's no response to this from the West at all. So now I juxtapose this with Itihasa. The focus of Itihasa is to record events from the past, that is recording, and weave them around the core principles of Sanatanic living and present the narratives as exemplars. They are different from the Western notions of recreating history driven by present needs or requirements. Our needs of Itihasa are timeless. We want it to help and guide people, not for me to get into power or somebody to get into power. So weave historic notions around the core notions of the, of the Varnashram, Ashrama Dharma, Varna Purushadha and the like. The Itihasa serves an interpretive framework, dialectic of the core principles. The characters and events are embellished for the primary purpose, education and elucidation of dharma for all differing levels of intellect. Itihasas are deep carriers of foundational principles of culture and civilization ethos, unlike western history which is primarily a hermeneutic exercise. This is the fundamental role of Itihasa, it is totally different from history and it need not be history and I say we do not want history. So I say Itihasa versus history. The distributed nature of history creation, so this is Indian Itihasa or Indian history creation, it is recording and local dissemination and local markers. So every village had its own history, every temple has its own history, is totally different, distinct according to the western way of institutionally centrally controlled history writing. Universities, churches, you have the same model here, you have universities in Delhi who, who, who create history. And the Indian western approaches are radically different and have different goals and motives. So, so to expect some sort of universality of a sense of history is not only naive from the west but also totally arrogant. This is sort of my response to the whole hist historical argument. So then the next part of the paper attacks, actually tells you what Mimamsa is and why is fundamentally wrong in the understanding of Mimamsa. So what do I say? It's 
Mimam says, meant to devise a means of analyzing and interpreting text and passages with a view to bring out a tenet specifically dharma. So, Mimamsa actually means the sacred dis discussion. So, very nature of sacrality is fundamental to Mimamsa. So, Western academia in general, Indologists like Pollock, are particularly of, of scholars of the non-practicing variety. So, they do not know what sacredness means. So, first of all, are they even eligible to talk about Mimamsa? Not at all. So, the sacred discussion is fundamental and cannot be hand-waved away nor can it be faked as is being done by most Western Indologists. They are just faking their sense of as if we respect your text. They do not respect anything. So, these kind of non-practical scholars have no adhikara to even discuss these texts. So, the only valid objective scientific approach to understand this text is a sacred disposition. So, if you do not have a sacred disposition, you cannot see what is there. You will only have hermeneutics of derision. You will only hate it. Unless you have the right proper approach, you do not know what it is. So, what the Western Indologists attempting to using the non-sacred approach can be compared to someone trying to critique the theory and practice of physics without acknowledging the basic axioms of arithmetic and logic, which is what Pollock is doing. I do not I don't believe in addition multiplication, but I will critique uh, quantum theory, which is what he is saying. I do not believe in sacredness, but I will critique Mimamsa. How can he do it? And we are letting him do it. Not just him, 250 years it is happening. This is exactly the problem. So, role of Mimamsa is, first thing is, basic thing is, address the problem of Vedic text interpretation, <coughs> disambiguation of word and sentence meaning, and then also the, at a very practical level, character yajna sequences to which sentence belongs, and also position of the yajna. Then functional classification are the vidis, mantras, namadhyayas, nishedas, all that. Again, classification of vidis, all of that. With the help of Mimamsa, the various parts of a text are arranged in order of objective and complete sequence of all activities involved in detail. So, this is from a note by Ramanujan. So now again, Mimams also has this theory of meaning and discourse, theory of sentence, theory of, of meaning and aporushyatvam and timelessness have, are fundamental to have axiomatic. So you have to first acknowledge that and then only even interpret Mimams. By going and saying it is not there, so Mimams are wrong, does not make sense. It is the same axiomatic problem. I will not believe in addition, addition but I will critique quantum mechanics. Same, same approach. Aporushyatvam is basic. Without that, you cannot even understand any of the arguments inside Mimams. So, knowledge. So, knowledge is intrinsically valid. So, Vedic sentences are intrinsically valid and always yield valid cognitions since they are impersonal and devoid of human origin. This is the reason for Aparashyatvam. There is no subjectivity. Moment is Aparashyatvam, everything is infinitely objective. The entire Vedas which prescribe the moral law are intrinsically valid. It is not realized. So, through that only you will, humans can realize what is Dharma. Another way of looking at Mimamsa is theory of action. So, what is appropriate at what time? That is the theory of action. So, it is a highly developed theory of action based on contextual constraints without being prescriptive. Mimamsa does not say do this, it only says suggest what is, what is the best given all those conditions. This is unique to the Indian civilization experience. Sufficient freedom are given to interpret and all the course of actions. Every possible context in the universal possibilities cannot be accounted for in any theory. So, it only gives you guidelines. So, the Mimamsa Sutras provide a beautifully conceptual structure in presenting a domain of choices and rules in graded topical fashion. So, you pick and choose what you want. They do not give any strict rules. So, what do you have finally from the Western scholars? We have this Nisains of Mimamsa. So, it is a Western thesis of Mimamsa exemplifies the widely prevalent Nisains. So, they do not know what Shabda is. They do not know Shabda is Pramana, they do not know. They do not know Dharma. They do not know what Dharma Jigyasa is because they do not know what Dharma is, they do not know what Dharma Jigyasa is. 
they do not, they think yajna is a ritual, they do not a nature of karma, they also do not understand the Vedic cosmology which is driving all this fundamentally. So, if you understand all of this only, you can then come and critique Mimamsa in whatever way he wants to. So, I am saying all this is the new science of Mimamsa that Western Indologists are providing to us. So, what I am saying finally, <coughs> so Western academic hegemony is a driving force behind thermodynamic suspicion, hermeneutics of derision, is a flawed basis for critiquing Mimamsa and it's socio-political discourse based on flawed understanding of the basic premises. So, so what's, what's, how do you respond? So, we say western models of individual and society and relationship between them are flawed. Okay, this is the primary reason for exploitation of destruction of our planet. They have no dharma, that's why it is destroying the planet. So, Mimamsa, Dharma Jagyasa is the only hope of sustainability in a fundamentally immoral and I am going to say immoral also, western Abrahamic discourse. So, we need to rethink and remodel our social sciences and humanities as disciplines of Dharma Jagyasa, else all of Indian academia is a lost cause. No point in doing any academia in India because you are all following the same Abrahamic model. This, this is my call for action. So, um, as Mimamsa, as I understand, I see it has two aspects. One is Mimamsa in deciding the Vakyartha as we are seeing in the Sadas. And then uh, Purva Mimamsa as a Darshana among the Shad Darshana uh, in the Vedic Darshana. So, do you see a difference between that? For example, I may not agree with Purva Mimamsa as a Darshana, but I take the textual analysis part of it. So, does Pollock do any differentiation of that or if we do that distinction, will we understand ourselves better? Okay, okay. So, the fact that it is a Darshana itself is again a Western view. So, let us say for example, Ramanaja uses Mimamsa to explain so many things. Does it mean he is a Vedanti? Without me, you cannot understand anything. Mm. If you want to be, you want to write anything in Sanskrit, you need to know Mimamsa because you need to know all the past text. To know, to have your own drishti, then you know how to get your own drishti, Mimamsa will help you. Okay. It helps you in creating a drishti. Mm. So, its role is very different from what he is even projecting in the first place. You will not get drishti if you do not know, first you need your siddhanta, then you, to say how you are different, you need Mimamsa. Mm. So, it is common across every text. So, a rasa theories needs to know Mimamsa properly. Everybody, every Siddhanta, any, probably any future interpretations of the Brahma Sutra also will require this. Not just the four, probably there can be 50 more if we read Mimamsa deeper. There is so much in, inside. Uh, thank you very much, Sudarshan, for your impeccable and uh, enlightening paper. And just these are not, there are no questions, but just one or two comments. You said this is useful for uh, all the Shastras. This is clearly stated in the beginning of Shlokavartikam. And also, Dharmasya Vishayam Bhaktam Emansayaf Prayojanam, that is also there. And in addition, I want to add what he asked uh, my friend. You see, under Yajuf uh, Karnam is there, where a sentence is defined, Mr. President. Under Yajuf Pramanadhikaranam, there is one sotram, Arthaikatvadekam Vakyam Sakaankshanchet Vibhagesyat. This is, suppose if you take Yajurveda, Ishet Vodjetva Vajavastho Pajavastha, like that it goes on without ending. Where to cut? How much, I mean, how to take as to as a, a piece of sentence, we want a sentence, how to, where to cut, how to take, what is the definition of a sentence? There, Kumar Labhatta in Tantravartikam clearly says, 
although the sotram is actually meant for deciding and defining a jayus or vakyam mantra brahmana yokeshu vaktavyam kopayujyate in mantra bhaga brahmana bhaga and also laukika sanskritam there also how to decide as to i mean how many whether a group of given words can be taken as a sentence or not that is the question and he as he rightly pointed out suppose if you take panini without memansa nothing moves nothing moves panini is built even you come across many examples in mahabharshyam also always he could vaidikanan laukikanancha initially he says when he says vaidika he immediately brings sentences from veda and on the lines of memansa only patanjali discusses these things so in laukika sanskritam also and and also one more thing it is called dvadasha lakshani 12 things are discussed in dvadasha lakshani 12 adhyayas if you take pratipakshas also it will be 12 plus 12 24 so these 24 nyayas they are called norms you may call them are useful in, in the interpretation of so many things in the suppose if you get a doubt then it will be used six kinds of shabda is discussed 18 kinds of meaning is discussed there are thousands of things or nyayas that are useful whether you take vedic exegesis i mean vedic sentences or texts and whether you take laukika or any kind of vyakarana like parivashika mahavakyam discourse is there in vyakarana for example like that in every darshana there is a mahavakya through mahavakya only the upadesha will take place so mimamsa shows the path as to how to build a text without losing the cohesion and coherence and the ekavakyata ekartha bodhakatvam or one sentence whatever you call it and vakyika vakyata at discourse level so all these things are useful for in general for literature and also if you want to take only vaidika then also of course dharma dhatato dharma jignasa it is and as you rightly said the sacred discussion this is mr president for the first time it is said by bhujita vicharaha मीमांसा नाम पूजित विचार दिस इज सेट बै वाचस्पति मिश्रा इन दि कामेंट्री आम भामति आन दि फस्ट सूत्र आफ् वेदात अथा तो ब्रह्मजिज्ञास अंडर दट ही सेस पूजित विचार दट दट इज डिस्कशन नाट आटो मे मीन संबडी सम पीपल कमिंग एंड टाकिंग नॉन सेंस विथट एनी प्रमाण नो दट विल नाट बी कन्सिडर्ड एज मीमांसा सो थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर ए नाइस पेपर थैंक यू फॉर योर प्रेजेंटेशन दैट वॉज वेरी एनलाइटनिंग एंड I just have a very small question. Uh, where did you get the term uh, hermeneutics of derision? I said it's mine. Oh, it's yours. It's very needed. It is needed. It's what is mine. I'm saying it is needed because this is what they are doing. Okay, so very interesting. Thank you very much. <laughs> to help me, you can do two things. You can go to the subscribe button on my YouTube and subscribe. We need more subscribers there. Uh, secondly, I get lots of emails on people saying, "How do we donate? How can we help you?" Uh, you go to rajimalhotra.com or you go to infinityfoundation.com and you can hit the donate button you can donate in dollars there are different ways mentioned if you want to donate in rupees there is a column called uh, infinity foundation india and you click that and there are instructions on how you can donate in india